Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 13. <coughs> we just kind of got started on that, and uh, I was trying to figure out what to call these uh, uh, when, when the Jews had, when the, when the Christians were affected by the Jews that would come and try to get them to go back to Judaism, we would call them Judaizing. So I'm going to call these guys idolatizing. That's what they're doing, idolatizing. They're, 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 they're trying to get the Jews to, to worship other gods. <clears throat> so that's what's being discussed here in this, in this chapter so far. The first segment that we talked about there was about a prophet, a prophet that would give a pretty good show about what he was pro- uh, prophesying about that would be somewhat uh, impressive and make you think that this guy's telling the truth and he turns right around and contradicts himself by saying, what? Hello. Let's go after some other gods. Those two don't go together, do they? And in a crux, that is the teaching there in those few verses that you can't follow that teaching because it's contrary to God's will. This next section um, is a little harder to deal with, isn't it? I don't know about you, but uh, this is is really close to home, isn't it? If your brother, your mother's son, or your son, or hang on, let let me turn this on. There we go. It's up there too, New American Standard if you want it. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend, who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known. Of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you are far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, You shall not yield to him or listen to him, and your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him. But you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death, because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery." Then all Israel will hear and be afraid and will never again do such wicked, such a wicked thing among, among you. <clears throat> wow, verses 6 and 7, brother, son, daughter, wife, close friend. This is really close to home, isn't it? This is, this is right in your family. This is as close as people are to us. This, this is very difficult very hard to hear. Uh, These are blood relatives. Their own children. Just think about the impact of that. I don't know how much time you... I read over it several times and I found it very convicting. Uh, Is this the kind of person I am? Would I yield to God's instruction here. If I was face facing these circumstances, I find it I find it very challenging. <clears throat> but you know 
God's true people hold God in the highest place. Most important, revered, trusted, relied upon in every way, above and beyond all people, including our sons and our daughters and our spouses and everyone that we embrace as those that are most precious to us. And this is, this is quite, this is quite a challenge. No relationship on this earth compares to our relationship with him. I thought it was interesting in, at the end of verse 6 and verse 7, I highlighted that in red on my notes because each of these sections has something like that in it. The first section was in verse 2. It said, whom you have not known, speaking to the gods that they are being enticed with. Here, it kind of is superfluous. It's kind of built up and, and overstated, if you will. Whom neither you nor your fathers have known, of gods of the peoples who are around you, near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other. What's that, what's that saying? I think it's saying not even a hint. Not even a hint, not even a little bit, no matter what. You cannot allow yourself to be enticed. Comments up to that point. What do you see? Alan. Reminds me of the passage in the New Testament where, where he's talking about that the evil would come from amongst the elders. But, you know, would come from that. It's, it's often those closest to us or those we respect the most who will lead us astray. And, and I'm just sitting here with this passage. You know, when you think of the Muslims or something like that, how harsh they are against those who are infidels or those who would lead their people astray. And yet that's what God expected of the Israelites then. If somebody leads you away into serving another God, you take care of that. It's serious. Yeah. So what is what if they don't? What's the what's the risk? What is what is the understatement that's here? What is what is the response? What is the circumstances? And why is it such a a dastardly deed, if you will? What's what's the problem, Mary? Since bread and leaven, and it will corrupt the whole nation into Absolutely. So a corrupted nation. Now bring it home personally. It will cost you your soul, is what God is saying. You kill them now so that you don't lose your eternal soul, because that's what's being implied here. Now we start seeing the implication of someone saying, come, let's go over here and worship Molech. Or, yeah, you ever see what they do when they worship this way or that way? You know, and there's interest there. And where's God sending these people? He's sending them into where there are seven nations that all do it. Always, always have. And they're good at it. And they enjoy it. And they're going to try to trip you up. But he's making sure, his charge is to be sure you know the threats that are there. 
and here's how you respond to it. And he makes it extra tough because he incorporates our own personal families in it. And we have similar things today. Yes, uh, Sarah. And it's not just that we would we could lose our own soul if we follow after and serve these other gods. It's that all of those around us could as well. If if I'm the only one led away, if it's me and my buddy and that's it, that is a shame and that is bad and that's not a good thing. But if they also lead away everyone else in the family, if they lead away the son that you love and the daughter that you love and all of those people are also led astray and led into things that are bad for them, that also, I mean, that's let all Israel hear and be afraid and never do such a thing again. Yeah. Um, so it's not just for the individual who's being enticed secretly, but for all those who are going to be influenced and condemned as a result of that example spreading and spreading. And how do you stop the spread of something? At the beginning, right? Not in the middle or the end. So wherever it touches your life, you deal with it. As a family, this... <clears throat> this this concept here, if you you have a son or a daughter that comes and entices you, you respond thusly. You stop it in its tracks right there and right then that no other will be enticed and drawn away. We're supposed to do that to our own blood. And this, this idea uh, then bolsters the idea then of what is said in verse 11. Then, you know, if, if moms and dads are putting their kids to death because they're idol worshipers or trying to entice you away to idol worship, he says, then all Israel will hear and be afraid based on how you act, on your response to the this terrible sin, this soul-stealing sin that is you're going to be that's going to be amongst you and will come. And the idea then is, of course, of everyone to be policing that constantly, right inside their own walls. That's 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 a tall order, isn't it? It really is. We understand the importance of it, but it's a tall order. It really is. But this is how important it is. It is that the sin is worthy of death because they seduce their soul slayers. They're, they're, the idea is there's something much greater at risk. The soul, not of just one person, but of a nation. Because God, God has seen to, is seeing to it that these people will, will be his people and will have the salvation that he has planned for them. Uh, other, other thoughts along that line? Y'all are awful quiet. It's Wednesday, isn't it? Carrie. Well, he had told them who they went into the land to kill everybody, which would wipe this kind of stuff out. But now he's bringing it. 
Yeah. Don't even tolerate it from your son, from your mother's child, your friend, nobody. No matter who, no matter who. We're not talking about your neighbor across the street. You, you might be able to say, I can fling a rock at him. You set my son or daughter up there, and then my soul's tested in obedience. Who do I love more? Do I love the Lord more? Or do I love my child more, even though this is crystal clear, isn't it? This is, this has looked like, I was just thinking about the idea of the fact that in the New Testament we talk about the unforgivable sin. What kind of sin is this that these idolicizers, whoever they are, what kind of a sin are they committing there? It's an unforgivable sin because the punishment is death on the spot. The eventuality is right then. You know, we could go turn and talk about that in, in, in the New Testament about in Matthew uh, chapter 12, verse 31, and 1 John 5, 13, it's about the sin that leads to death and the unforgivable sin. And when you, when you take something before someone and say, don't worry about this God, here's your God, to God that is unforgivable. Because that person's never going to ask for forgiveness, are they? They have given him away. They have thrown him and cast him aside. That seals our fate, doesn't it, when we make a choice like that. It seals our fate. This is, a, like I said, a very challenging. Uh, I'm glad we didn't, I'm glad I didn't live back then. I've heard people say, I'd like to see the miracles and like to see those things, and I don't think I would have. I'm happy to read about them and, and take them to heart. What would you add? What else? Alan, I saw your hand up. Also, it was a community thing. The community had bought into it. They had to not only say, hey, here's someone who sees someone in their family, but we're going to be part of this, this stone this person too. It was a community <coughs> And you talked about how you, you wouldn't want to, see, to have to see this. You know, the difference for us in the New Testament, he says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a that's to compare. Okay, you don't have to kill them, but you need to restore them. Yeah. How wonderful that is. If they can, yeah, if they can be restored, if they're restorable, you bet. We, you better believe we better be uh, trying to restore people who, who eyes are fixed. I think our world's eyes are fixed on idolatry. But these are, these, we're talking about people here that are already supposed to be God's people. That have that are Jews and they're they're uh, they're they're casting him aside, if you will, for these these pagan these pagan gods, and it is a uh, it is a serious matter. I saw one other hand out here, and I didn't, Mike. I'm trying to figure out verse six when he talks about secretly. Um, I've looked several different versions, and it, it always uses this word, this idea of who secretly enticing you. I'm trying to figure out is there a Sarah, so I'm not sure if this is along with what she said, but um, is this telling us to be 
on guard because if someone is blatantly enticing us, we can see that coming like a freight train. But we have to be on guard because there can be those that can secretly try to do this as well. I, I don't know why you may have used that, that terminology. I'm, I'm not exactly sure that didn't. Uh, catch my eye, but I see it there, and I understand what you're talking about. Um, probably in a nation, in a nation, this is the Israel, the the Israel generation too, right? And uh, they've heard of the mighty power of Jehovah uh, and seen a lot of it because they've been provided for for 40 years. Um, and have no doubt uh, heard teaching against other gods um, makes you think that oftentimes when people have an idea, they, they start bouncing it off of individuals to number one, see how it's received, number two, to build a following. And that might be alluding to something like that. Uh, also, there might be an element of fear in that, not sure how you're going to respond, you know, instead of uh, catching it at town square and shouting it from the rooftops, where other people might uh, uh, point a finger at you and say, heretic, you know. I don't know if that's it, Bob, or not. translations instead of secretly, in secrecy. In secrecy, okay. Right. But your response is what? Is it private? No, your private is your private. It's not private. It's public, and it's uh, assertive and immediate. Jo yeah, Josh. I'm sorry. I think I followed most of that. <clears throat> um, the gist I've gotten from the first section and this section is whatever words are used. used. It says, let us go and serve other gods. Uh, I, I don't know how to replace that uh, other than what it says. Uh, I don't know that that it is a it's not a quotation. I think it's an understanding that that's that's what the people are are trying to get someone to do. Let's let's go. We're already among these people, and here are the gods all around us. You know, the ones that we haven't ran out are still here, 
and, and they are being a thorn in our flesh. Because that's kind of the setting, I believe. They can't do that while they're conquering the land, can they? Absolutely not. They cannot do it while they're conquering the land. This is the result, the result and something that takes place while they're there and the influence is all around them, right? I think, I think that's right. I wouldn't, this is not a battlefield type thing. This is a scenario that during the duration of their lives there, that this is a possibility because of what is in the land and they obviously do not expel it. So, just something to meditate on, Carrie, if that makes sense. get to thinking for ourselves and instead of letting God think for us we get in trouble don't we curiosity the old what's the old adage curiosity killed the cat you know uh, there is no pity here for this wrongdoing that's one thing that's crystal clear in this <clears throat> and it is fate sealing for the guilty party if the people are receiving the instruction that is being given them from Moses that is the intent so we'll move to the next section unless someone's got to wrap up. Anybody? Okay. Let's, uh, so we've got the, the family members and close intimate family members uh, doing this. And now we have a circumstance here kind of, it's almost like an after the fact that something like this has taken place. <coughs> And we see a whole city turned to idolatry. Uh, and it says here, by worthless men. So let me advance this and we'll, we'll read this. Hey, Dave. Can you see that? I don't have to turn him up. If you're here in one of your cities, which the Lord your God has given you to live in, Anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods whom you have not known. Then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true and the matter is established that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it and its cattle with the edge of the sword. Then you shall gather all its booty in, into the middle of its open square and burn the city and all its booty with fire as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be a room for heaven. It shall never be rebuilt. Okay. So we kind of got a picture here of what might happen if 
the ones before weren't dealt with, right? And, and there also in verse 13, serve other gods whom you have never, whom you have not known. That's a qualifier. I mean, that's a, the one your friend needs to look at. <clears throat> you shouldn't. He's not telling them to be curious about these, is, is he? He certainly isn't. <clears throat> and it's, it's a treacherous thing to toy, toy with them, uh, according to the scriptures. So here's this entire uh, city that becomes seduced to other gods. Uh, when, you, when Dave read that, did you, you notice there is careful investigation as to this allegation? It's just not like everybody drags their she, uh, swords out of the closet and storms off and, and, and uh, exacts God's righteous uh, judgment on them. It, it, is, it is verified. It is, it is uh, investigated uh, thoroughly, it appears to be. And uh, so the, the idea is... Uh, to be offered to God as a burnt offering, uh, never to be rebuilt. Everything that that uh, city, everything that it, it had in its presence was offered to God. And then it, it was to be, you know, we, it makes us think a little bit about Jericho, doesn't it? Uh, that, that same concept there. The idea of offering all that to God, uh, I think, goes hand in hand with the purging of evil from Israel. Uh, you don't think about a destructive thing like that being glorifying to God, but in a way it is, because it is God's wrath and people obeying him that caused that to take place. And that would make a statement in and of itself. So, what would you what would you say about that? Anybody got anything to add there, Sarah? I mean, it's and it's like all parts of the city. It's the inhabitants of the city. It's the cattle. It's yeah. the booty. It's all of the treasures. There's not going to be any advantage to the group who goes in and causes this city to become a whole burnt offering. They're not going to get, you know, a, a bunch of extra wives or extra cattle or, you know. No spoils to this war. You know, That's right. The, and so it's it's not something that you would do just to, like, conquer another city. That's um, not what it's about. It's a, it's a picture of God's judgment. Uh, man has nothing in it here. Man is the instrument. They go in and do it. But it's all to God's glory. And uh, it was his way of telling those who were doing it, there's nothing here for you. And that city stood for idolatry. So that makes sense. We can understand that. In 17 and 18, it says, Nothing from that which is put under the ban shall cling to your hand in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you and have compassion on you and make you increase just as he has sworn to your fathers. If you will listen to the voice of your God, uh, to the Lord your God, uh, keeping all his commandments, which I am uh, commanding you today, 
and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. <clears throat> that wraps that section up. And that, that statement put under the ban makes you think about Jericho and what Jacob did. It had, there was a curse on the city and the, the things of the city. Here they were just consumed and offered to God. Uh, the same thing was they were supposed to, they were they were under a ban they weren't supposed to touch any of those things of course we know Achan did and and, and what that brought upon the children of Israel <clears throat> so that account back in uh, Joshua six go read that and and uh, be familiarized with it uh, back in Joshua in the next chapter in Joshua seven verse eighteen. There was this warning given. It says, keep yourselves from the accursed thing. Keep yourselves from the accursed thing along with the entire camp. Uh, hands off. Do not touch. Do not covet. Don't look at. You know, that's avoid at all costs because it will cost you your life. You think about it. You've got a city filled with idolatry. You've got a city filled with idolatrous people. What good thing could come out of it? Not really much of anything, right? And that's the picture with broad strokes. God paints for them and for us. He would not, God would not allow evil to abide among his people. And that, that is, was made evident by this. Uh, okay, wrapping up 13. What might you say, Alan and Craig? That's right. That's right. Now you investigate this. You see, they were going to be respected or disrespected in the land and in the nations around them based on how they obeyed God. Here was one group, a city that was so evil that was going to affect how they looked. And that had to be destroyed. Oh, yeah. God's plan for Israel was to be distinguishable among the nations, different, holy, his people, his nation. And uh, as Alan said, and I, I probably didn't point it out very well, but this was one of their settled cities that was turned bad. You know, evil men have gone out from you and corrupted that city. The response is just like you would do with your own family. You go crush it. You go do away with it completely. And that's what they did. Thanks for emphasizing that, Alan. It was help, helpful. Uh, Craig? Sin is so deceptive. There's something about it that makes us want to desire it. But these people are desiring the thing that had devastated Egypt. And they're desiring the thing that had destroyed the peoples that had previously existed in this land. Like, but they were so blinded by grass on the other side that they thought, oh, well, we, we can do that, and it'll be better for us. Eve thought she could eat the fruit and give her what she wanted, but it was death. Absolutely. So we're so easily tempted by things that we think are what we want, but if we just looked around and looked back in history, not far, um, sometimes in our own history, we can see, wow, Amen. that's not I chose that. Amen. 
learn from our mistakes or where we come from. And not just these people, us, you know, we, we repeat history if we don't learn it and let it change our hearts and lives. Sarah. And it, it occurred to me that if this place, this city is a ruin forever and it's never rebuilt, that at some point, you know, there's going to be this pile of stones and you and your kids may be walking from point A to point B and the kid says, hey, Dad, what are all these stones? And there's uh, another, it's another memorial to, to God and his power, <coughs> his mm -hmm. providence, just like the, the stones from the river. Yeah, what's this ash heap over here? You know, used to be a city. Here's why it's not. Very good. Very good. Okay, let's move on to fourteen. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Let me see what we can do here. I titled this after reading this chapter several times and, and meditating on it and how it runs uh, connected with these previous chapters. This is a long dissertation by Moses and it's uh, the, the idea of, I'll, I'll just read this little intro. God is instructing Jin to Israel uh, through Moses regarding uh, his will on acceptable worship and living. He has emphasized that he will choose and provide them access to the place he chooses also, he has shown that worshiping the gods of the Canaanites is forbidden, and anyone who attempts to entice to such is to be put to death, no exceptions. God has shown the distinction between himself and the other gods of the nations. He has also shown the distinction between where they are worshipped and where and how he is to be worshipped. Chapter 14 then follows along these same lines and there's more to come here in chapter 14. I titled this, A Holy People for a Holy God. It doesn't say it a lot, but it's implied uh, in so much of this chapter. And just think about it as we read. This first part of it is there's to be a holy people. They're supposed to be different, set apart to God. And one of the ways you do that is how you treat your body. You're going you're gonna to be distinct in how you, how you treat your body, how you take care of yourself. Deuteronomy 14.1 says, You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So God is using Moses to carry this on uh, so that these people can see that uh, He's going to be making a distinction. The, the nations are going to see a difference. If they, if they follow his instruction, the nations will see a difference in them and in how they, in how they worship, how they conduct themselves. Uh, they, will, they will be different. Uh, <clears throat> that second verse there, for you are a holy people of the Lord your God, and the Lord uh, has chosen you to be people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. That was, that's already been stated verbatim in Deuteronomy 7, 6. Uh, that's, that's how this dissertation started back then with those exact words. It's repeated here again. 
So Moses reminds uh, these uh, Israelites that he had just addressed uh, what we just talked about in 1318 uh, in the previous verse, charging them to be listeners uh, and keepers of God's commandments, because that's replete in this too. Uh, The reason Moses is making a dissertation, so they will listen to it. And they will heed it and pay attention and, and re, respond to that intellectually and, and alter the way they conduct themselves. So, the, uh, he, the implication here is those who obey and follow are going to be sons of God, people who are possessed by God. What a, what a special thing that is. This is a very special relationship. Uh, requires some really special living. If you're going to have a special relationship, it's going to require some special living and some special thinking and some special effort to maintain that relationship. All of those things are imp- implied in these things. <clears throat> The, uh, think about it, this for ourselves, it's kind of, I don't think it does us a whole lot of good when we study God's word. If we get, if we get caught up in the activities of a couple thousand years ago, uh, or however long it would be, and we can't see ourselves in there, we, we struggle at getting any application out of, out of our, our study. Just think about it, the fact that if, if our Heavenly Father required this of these, this idea of holiness, how much more of us who, who've been redeemed by the blood of Christ and in our laps and probably laying on every table in our house, we have God's Word that reveals all of it to us from beginning to end. We can see the whole picture pristinely. See how insistent God was of them conducting themselves in a holy way towards him. And it was, uh, I, I I just think, how much more then is expected of me? Because these things are clear to me. All I have to do is sit down and read his word. These people are getting it revealed to them as they go, aren't they? Bob, you had your hand up. Yeah. I think one of the things where we can have an application today is that if you look at these things, uh, you know, cut yourself, well, I wouldn't want to do that. You know, what's all that bad about? Shave your forehead? Uh, you know, what's so bad about these things? Canaanites. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> You're getting ahead of me. They're getting ready to go into this land, and he's talking about things that they do in that land. I probably should have said that a little quicker, Bob. So applying today, you know, we see things around us as oh that doesn't look all that bad. But they were becoming just like those people and not like the people of God. Right. 
all of a sudden we look like the, the people around us, which God did not want the Israelites to do that. He did not want them to look that way. He wanted them to look the way he wanted them to look, like his children. The, uh, <clears throat> that, there's a, just, just to speak to the Canaanite uh, things going on, there's a, if this is the right slide, it is right there. <clears throat> the Ugaritic text of the Baal cycle. This is on display at the Louvre in Paris. And this is a grief ritual uh, that the Canaanites, that, that this one is Canaanite. Um, and it says, he cuts cheek and chin, lacerates his forearms, he plows the chest like a garden, like a veil, he lacerates the back. That's a Canaanite origin. What's that sound like? Sounds just exactly like what we're reading about. Is this is this is kind of an act that you might see in desperation or bereavement or mourning or calling down a Canaanite god, trying to get them to respond. We know a story like that, don't we? Uh, where the the men cut themselves <coughs> on Mount Carmel, trying to get their dead gods to do something. And obviously that didn't take place. So there's a piece of history that talks about it. You know, just stumbled across it and thought I'd throw it in. So what else do you see here? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah. And, and their lives to look back on. Yes. And to me, yes. being it on my own is just as impossible as it was for them. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Good point. And I, well taken. And I, I agree with that. The uh, I can't believe we haven't got any farther than this, but it's all good stuff. So Qu- Quickly, Sarah. Quickly. And if you look at... Um, this was part of their reaction to death, the Canaanite reaction to death, um, that there was no hope. And today, we don't have that reaction to death. It, I think it is perfectly acceptable and appropriate to mourn deeply the loss of someone close to you, but you don't mourn like they are lost forever. There is a hope of resurrection, at least if you're lucky enough that they uh, are a Christian, are a believer, you know, so that's kind of another way to look at this difference between how they were to react and how the Israelites were to react. Very good, very good. I think that is true and accurate. The section on unclean and unclean animals, not even going to read it. Um, <clears throat>
what I would like... Boy, we're short on time. <clears throat> let's, let's introduce it, and uh, Tommy will probably want to em- embellish this a lot, but uh, the... Uh, as you read over the, what made, let me just ask you a couple questions, kind of to prepare, prepare yourselves a little bit, maybe to think about clean and unclean. What kind of law was the first law God gave Adam? What kind of law? How would you categorize it? It was a food law. It was a food law, right? You may eat, thou shalt not eat. Right. So, right out the gate. You think about it. God made Adam, what's probably one of the first physical desires he was going to have. Hunger. Probably hunger. God, in his infinite wisdom and his timely ways, provides a food law to regulate how Adam responds to this desire in his heart. I just find that interesting that he might be pleasing in God's eyes and perhaps at the same time tested in God's eyes. Here's this man whom I have made. Let's see if he will obey me, if he will follow my instructions. I think that's interesting to think about. Uh, and they did well for a certain period of time, didn't they? So Eve was there and, and uh, things changed. But... That, that's one of the, or that was the first, the first law and how you would categorize it. <clears throat> this also has a lot to do, I think, with how the nations would look at the Israelites because they have this food law. The, the, I don't know what the Canaanite nations had. They may have had some kind of guidelines that they followed, but... We know Israel had one. It's, it's substantial, isn't it? Clean and unclean. And you go down the list and you're asking yourself, what is that? You know, that animal. You have to get out the dictionary. Wikipedia, you know, they take a stab at it. You're not, no, you're not sure if it's accurate or not. But I will say this about that list. What made the animals clean or unclean? Big picture answer. I'm sorry, Robin. You had your hand up, and I did not call on you, and I apologize for that. My the big picture answer I said God made the animals clean and unclean. It's what He called clean and unclean, right? Because we know it changed, didn't it? It changed in Acts 10, right? What changed it? God changed it. So, there's a lot here to discuss. Clean and unclean animals were God's way of distinguishing these people in in a dietary way. They would eat different than the people that 
they were overthrowing <coughs> if they followed his instructions. It would make them different. He saw fit later on to change that. So this is all about God sculpting out of the earth, out of the dirt of the earth, a people that will love him and follow him and listen to his, his voice no matter what. And this is, this is more of that. So we didn't get very far in here. All I know is when Susie and I were in Israel, and I didn't see it on the list, chickens must be clean because they serve it at every restaurant there. I don't, know, I don't know which one of those animals a chicken is, but... Okay, Tommy will be back Sunday and clean up that chapter. Change the plan? Somebody change it. Change the song here. Oh, tell them they can't do that. Were you prepared? <laughs> did you have a... Was I prepared? Oh, you, are you? Okay. We did it then. Oh, you've got access to the file. Then to change the song? No, on my phone I can remote into my computer. Oh, oh great. Okay. So, That's great. It's not quick. But, um, and it works easier for the blue book just because of the way it's set up. So.